Well, markets were gearing up for the Fed this week, but this morning it's all about Ukraine. Will we see some sort of military action or at least some sanctions? And what will that mean for European gas prices in particular? Shares have taken a big hit on all of this uncertainty, but who knows? You know, maybe it'll pass. Sometimes countries just need to showcase all the military equipment they've spent a fortune on, and that's what's happening right now. Then they put it away again, and life returns to normal. Let's hope it's Tuesday, the 25th of January, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, shares in the US have been in what you might call correction territory, although it's corrected the correction territory, if you see what I mean. The Nasdaq uh, was down well over 4% this morning, down 12% so far this week. But it's come back to being just 1.1% down now. Same for the S&P 500. It's climbed back from being 4% down to just 1.9% down now. The Dow, just 1.2% down, possibly all higher by the time you hear this, because the climb back seems to be almost as steep as the fall was. Uh, But markets closed in Europe before that recovery. Over 4.1% down for the Euro stocks 50, 3.8% for the DAX, 2.7% for the FTSE 100. And Bitcoin has lost almost 15% in the last five days, which is interesting because lots of Bitcoiners are in it because supposedly they're there to counter inflation. Uh, you would have thought they'd be buying into it right now. Uh, where's the money going? Treasuries. Prices up, yields down, 10-year treasuries are down five basis points, down four uh, for yields in the UK and Germany. And I guess because people are buying up treasuries, we're seeing the dollar in demand up 0.2% on the DXY, although it was up over 0.4% earlier in the session. And the loser on currencies, the Aussie dollar, down 0.8%. But again, that's a significant improvement on the overnight low. Uh, The pound is down 0.6%. The euro has lost just 0.1%. And oil down 2% for W. It has also climbed back a fair bit in the last hour or so. Brent is down 1.8%. It was close to 3% down earlier. So uh, look what's happening. The the usual suspects, we've got Omicron, we've got rate hike prospects, uh, we've got Ray Atrell, uh, not a usual suspect. He's with us this morning. Uh, and a, a large part of this, of course, is not that. It's the Ukraine, isn't it? The US and the UK both pulling embassy staff out now, uh, or their families anyway. 100,000 Russian troops gathered near the border, showcasing their hearts. Hardware. Uh, NATO sending in ships and jet fighters, their hardware as well. Uh, so you can understand uh, this rush to bonds, can't you? No, we're not. Uh, morning, Phil. And uh, yes, and I think probably exemplifying uh, the geopolitical um, key driver of, uh, of these moves, although, you know, obviously the Fed uh, is not to be underestimated. You know, look at gas prices. So uh, get the, the Netherlands benchmark that is really sort of EU gas prices up 16%. And, uh, and those coming into the UK up 19%, still a long way back from the highs that we had in December, but uh, but now moving back in the wrong direction as far as uh, what that's going to do to energy costs and uh, taking bites out of uh, European uh, pay packets. Um, so I think that's there. So the contrast between gas prices and oil prices um, probably neatly sums that up. Well, I'm curious it? about that. I'm curious about that because I would have thought oil's the substitute. So uh, well, it, you know, it is a substitute. No, it is a substitute, but I think. The key thing is that the um, yeah the oil price strength has really been reflection so far this year um, that we're going to get over the Omicron wave sooner rather than later, yeah. and that the market is looking to the sunny uplands of, of global demand and you know a resurgence in, in air travel etc. 
um, and that's really been supporting um, supporting the oil price. But uh, I think that you know just what's been happening in, in, in stock markets, and and we're seeing we'll talk about it in a second, no doubt. But the services PMIs are showing just how much of a hit some some parts of the world, at least, are mm-hmm. taking because of Omicron. So I think there is a little bit of doubt. But you are uh, you are correct that if uh, you know if 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 gas prices are going to surge, and and if the Russia Ukraine situation gets to the point where there is actually some sort of incursion and and response from the uh, the uh, the US and and NATO then uh, we can be you know probably one of my more confident predictions is we haven't seen the top in the gas price yet no, well, exactly. I mean, you know, that's a fairly safe bet, isn't it? I mean, if there's sanctions, so even if there's no military action per se, although Russia would have to do something, I guess, before they started to introduce sanctions. But if there's sanctions, then obviously Russia is going to respond and say, well, OK, we're going to cut off the oil, so, uh, the, the gas supply to Europe. That's what you'd think anyway. But on the sanctions point, I mean, certainly what I've been reading, you know, the last 24 hours or so suggests that, uh, you know, the US is not going to, um, you know, it's not going to do anything. And, and as far as sanctions are concerned, which may well be the first line of, uh, of retaliation, until Russia physically does something, otherwise it thinks it's, it's going to be a bit of a busted flush in terms of, you know, what else can it do uh, without doing something militarily? So, um, mm. um, but yes, but also just to add to the, the geopolitics, um, you know, I've just seen reports that, what, 39 Chinese aircraft um, in, 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 undertook an incursion into Taiwan airspace as well. So it's obviously adding to that sort of geopolitical um, backdrop. Um <laughs> Perhaps they thought they could get away with it while everyone was looking at Ukraine, perhaps. So, so well, I'd say it's not all geopolitics, obviously. I mean, some of this is, is the Fed, because we're only a couple of days away from it now. But there again, we know, don't we, what the FRMC is going to say. You know, for March, they're going to uh, end QE and lift rates. And then they're going to look at drawing down the balance sheet further down the track, uh, you know, presuming inflation stays high. So this, are we expecting any surprises? And isn't that all priced in? Uh, to the markets. In fact, the markets are actually, uh, you know, expecting more than the the Fed has already priced in. So they could be a bit more hawkish. And are we really going to see much reaction? Well, uh, let's wait and see on on Friday. I mean, one thing that the market may not be fully braced for is if, um, as as NAB suggests, the Fed actually calls time on QE immediately following this week's meeting, as opposed to to waiting until late February, early March, which was the <clears throat> the previous guidance that we got in uh, got in December. So that's one thing. Um, but the other thing I say is that there is um, Thursday. By the way, you think you said Friday? You mean Thursday, don't you? I mean th- Thursday morning our time, Wednesday evening I'm, I'm US just, time. I'm just here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so there is there is that, but um, also um, I mean I think that. You know, I'm not saying that the stagnation debate is coming back in, but I've, uh, if you did a Google search on the Fed put um, in terms of, you know, at, at what point does the correction, um, which is bordering on a bear market as far as the Nasdaq is concerned, I think the the, the mm. high to low before this um, mid-session turnaround took us to about minus nineteen and a half percent from the from the highs, and you know, the technical definition of a bear market is minus twenty percent, so we're getting there. So um, people are starting to say, well, you know. Does the Fed? When does the Fed put wheel in? And the Fed does not do on rates what it would otherwise do. I think that's um, a long way from the the, the the mark at this stage because the inflation backdrop, you know, is so much uh, <coughs> so much higher, so much more uh, more serious, if you like, than uh, certainly going back to the sort of nineteen nineties. This is more reminiscent, I think. of you know, of the early 80s and, and what Paul Volcker had to do, um, you know, in order to quell inflation was to cause recession. So um, certainly some of the concerns about uh, about growth are creeping in and in the equity market 
um, you know, and probably personified by the Netflix result, obviously, that we had yeah. at the end of last week, that um, confidence about uh, corporate earnings growth is also uh, coming. So we've got a bit of a pincer movement, I think, from, from both higher rates and some doubts about corporate earnings growth, uh, which is obviously most evident in the tech sector. And uh, just to add to, uh, you know, to add to the list of negatives there, obviously, the, um, there is a, a groundswell of opinion in the US now and bipartisan support for um, for regulation of, of big tech. I saw that the Senate committee passed by, I think, 16 to 6, um, a bill yeah. at the end of last week that would, uh, you know, particularly relating to the ability of, of the likes of, um, you know, of Google and Amazon to preference their own products on their platforms, for example. So um, I think Which that's not going up, not going, not going unnoticed yeah. as far as, uh, <laughs> as the, uh, the performance of big tech relative to the, to the broader market. And I imagine, you know, when we've when the economy is growing, then everyone's quite happy to see the the, the price to earnings ratios going up a little bit. But when the the economy is in contraction or or is is expected to slow down because of the actions of the central bank, then you're going to rein that in a little bit. And of course, also if the if the Fed's running down its balance sheet, well, we know a lot of that money found its way into the share market as well. So that's going to have an impact too. Well, that's, that's, that's the big imponderable because obviously the size of the Fed's balance sheet relative to their last experience with, uh, with quantitative tightening. Um, you know, back well. in 2018, 2019, didn't go well. But you know, the, the level from which the balance sheet started to shrink was very much smaller than it is now. And that's the point that Fed officials have been uh, have been making consistently that you know we're going to have to move faster, and um, you know, and we're going mm. to have to uh, to scale down um, our, uh, our balance sheet at a faster rate than we have previously, and that just creates uncertainty because you know the Fed will argue that this thing's going to go on autopilot; it, it's not going to have a difference. But uh, you know, seeing is believing, so I think it does add to uh, adds to the concerns for sure. Yeah, although Jerome Powell did say to the Senate Banking Committee, didn't he? It's a long road to the new normal, uh, and you know the the far end of the yield curve is very low, as though the markets are expecting you know they're not going to go all the way with this. And then we've also got uh, Joe Biden now nominating largely dovish choices to fill the three vacancies in the uh, in, in the Fed as well, because uh, they've got to make up that, those those people in the board. So uh, you know, maybe it'll maybe it'll kick off fast but slow down a bit. Well, it uh, did. I think seeing is believing, and remember that inflation is a major political headache for the Joe Biden administration now. And, and I can't recall a time when you've had the White House effectively screaming at the Fed to saying, you know, can you please control inflation and do what's necessary on interest rates? So to me, that's a bit inconsistent with saying I now want to stack the board with, um, you know, with governors who are going to vote against yeah. <laughs> against rate increases. Fair and point. ultimately, the yeah. Fed is a, a the, mandate constrained institution. And so I think it will the, uh, do what it has to do, basically, won't it? Yeah, I think that's your point. Yeah. Now, look, PMIs yesterday for manufacturing and services both weakened a bit for the UK and the euro area obviously this has got Omicron written all over it although Germany's manufacturing is now up to 60.5 services has risen over 50 uh, up to 52.2 and the US where we saw quite a fall in services there from 57.6 to 50.9 in January so make of that what you will it is Omicron of course but but why is Germany doing so well well it, it is perhaps a sign that some of these you know we've been hearing quite a lot in the last sort of four to six weeks that some of these supply chain uh, constraints are starting to ease, perhaps not directly in, um, you know, in, in in China, obviously, with the with the impact that uh, the zero COVID 
uh, strategy is having. But um, you know, certainly you've seen a little bit of signs of that. We've seen a little bit of sign maybe that some of the, the price pressures are moderating, certainly at the sort of upstream level, although you know, output price pressures still seem to be um, to be very evident. Um, incidentally, we have the, the NAB survey today, so whether we'll get any further indication of what that means down here is, is, is one point of interest at least. But um, it does seem that, uh, as I say, the good sector hasn't fared quite as, as, as badly. So I can only you know, imagine that, well, obviously, the, you know, we are not seeing that shift, obviously, from, from goods back to services. That's pretty obvious in, in the, the, the service sector numbers and the impact that Omicron has had. But um, I mean, the other interesting feature is that the service sector in Europe, um, whether you're looking at the Eurozone or the UK, seems to be faring much less badly than, than the US, where the US um, uh, number came down to, what, 50.9 from 57.6, I think. So almost on in contraction territory as far as the US is concerned, whereas across the Eurozone, you know, the numbers are, are, are sort of, you know, between sort of 51s and 55. So, um, so still doing relatively better, at least. But on a, on a night like this, it's uh, not enough to, uh, to bring life back into the Euro. And obviously, the US dollar is getting, um, you know, safe haven support, but not, um, not dramatically so, I'd have to say. And, and, you know, Aussie's still holding above 71. So, you know, safe haven obviously rules, but perhaps not quite to the extent that, uh, that, that we've been used to seeing. Interesting times, though, isn't it, to see those uh, those PMI numbers falling while the uh, central banks everywhere are saying, "Well, we're going to we're going to lift interest rates because we're worried about inflation." I guess that the point is those numbers are transient, aren't they? We expect those PMI numbers. That this is a short-term thing. If we get over Omicron, then we're going to see those numbers bounce up again, aren't we? Well, I, th- I think so. I mean, that's we're still in a, um, as I say, stagnation isn't really rearing its head. Growthflation, I think, is the uh, is the awful buzzword <laughs> at the moment. And, you know, so, so Fed officials, particularly in the Fed, are still emboldened by the fact that yeah. the economy is still growing you know, pretty much above trend and will probably, you know, accelerate, at least in the short term, as we come out of Omicron, even if growth, you know, is going to be somewhat slower as, as we go through the year. But mm. we're talking about, you know, growth coming down from something with a five or six in front of it to maybe a three or four. <laughs> That's a lot different from talking about uh, about stag- uh, stagnation, isn't it? It is very different. Now, look, very quickly, Australian inflation numbers today, I think most people are expecting it's going to be higher than the RBA's forecast. So given that, at their February meeting, which is coming up very soon, assuming inflation has picked up more, what is the likely outcome from the RBA? Well, one thing that we feel pretty highly convicted on is that um, the, the, the RBA, in the face of the scale of the and speed of the improvement that they've seen in the labour market, as we saw last week, and the fact that today's inflation numbers um, should show um, the trimmed mean or core measure close to the midpoint of the 2 to 3% target, then Omicron notwithstanding, um, the RBA should call time on its uh, QE bond buying program, and then the interest will be uh, come the statement of monetary policy next Friday and the extent to which they're going to upgrade their forecasts. And we think there's a good chance that if those numbers today come in close to expectations, that they'll be able to forecast inflation running close to the midpoint of the target throughout this year. Um, and then it's just a question of, of, of seeing whether, you know, how long it takes before the next shoe to drop, which is wage inflation, um, justifies the Fed, the, the RBA having to uh, having to eat some humble pie and uh, think about uh, mm. raising rates somewhat earlier than the, their previous guidance suggests that, uh, that they wanted to. Yeah, right. Well, consumer confidence numbers in the United States today from the conference board, we get the German IFO survey. Both of those obviously are going to be impacted by Omicron, as will earnings results, of course, in the United States. But Microsoft and Johnson & Johnson tonight, if we get some 
some strong results. Maybe that's going to help the share market bounce back a little well, bit. Well, that's a very sort of optimistic ending, Phil. Very unlike you. So, um, yes, let's see. So, uh, yeah, very uncharacteristic. Said, I, think, I think we should leave it there then. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, Ray. Cheers, Phil. Australia Day tomorrow. Of course, we won't be here, but we will be back in two days' time with the latest on the FOMC meeting. I'm Phil Dobby for now. See you then. <laughs>